um, today my topic is myopic. Um, the topic for today is myopic. You might, you might ask, what, is that? what does that mean, right? Um, I'm going to read the definition of myopic and hopefully it will show in the back. It says, myopic means short-sighted, lacking imagination, not able to see far into the future, not having foresight, lacking the necessary knowledge or intelligence to live beyond today. So how I got this topic was I, I was sleeping and when I woke up, the word in my heart was myopic. I was like, myopic, I don't know what that means. Let me just go and look it up, right? And then I looked it up and, and that was the definition. And then later on, God said to me, that's what you're going to preach in May. I was like, wow, this doesn't tie into like faith or righteousness or something like scriptural, you know? So I was like, God, how are you going to do it? But as he began to teach me, I realized this was so necessary for the church today, right? There are three main topics we're going to talk about today. Um, the first one is you need to have true vision. Three main points. You need to have true vision. You need to see beyond yourself your humanity. You need to see yourself making an impact as a Christian. So we're, we're going to dive into the first one. You need to have true vision. See, myopic individuals, right, they don't have what I call true vision. Remember the story of Judas betraying Jesus, right? Judas took the soldiers and the high priest slave to arrest Jesus. And Peter ended up cutting off the ear of um, the high priest slave. And this is what scripture says. It says, then Simon Peter... This is John 18.10. Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the ear of Malchus, the high priest slave. See, in that moment, anybody looking in would think that he was justified in what he did. Right? Jesus was going to be arrested. His life was in danger. Natural instinct would say, fight. Defend your life. Right? However, that's not the way that the Holy Spirit wants us to see the scenario. You see, anything done in the flesh cannot please God, even though it may look right from a physical standpoint. So in that moment, Peter was short-sighted. He didn't see the picture God was painting of salvation for the entire world. Right? He was saying, like, Jesus is going to be arrested, you know, his life may be in danger, I need to fight, I need to defend him. But in that moment, he couldn't see that this was part of God's plan to save the entire world and reconcile mankind to himself. He acted out of his own understanding. And we know what scripture says in Proverbs chapter 3. Um, from verse 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. What does it say? Lean what? Not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And then he will make your path straight. It doesn't say you will make your path straight. It says he 
will make your path straight. So how many times do we lean on our own understanding about what is going on in our lives, about what is happening in society, about what is happening in this country or wherever you're from, right? How many times do we lean on our own understanding? We assume things just the way that we see it. But God is asking us not to do that. He's telling us to see clearer, to have a clearer vision, to have true vision. Here's the difference between Peter and Jesus. In the same John chapter 18, verse 8 to 11, it says, I told you that I'm he, Jesus said, and since I am the one you want, let these others go. The next line says, he did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. You see, Jesus doesn't do things just for doing sake. There's always a purpose behind what he does, right? And it always aligns with the will of God. See, the Bible says we are like Christ on this earth, right? So we need to follow his example, right? We don't do things because we feel like it or because we are being driven by our emotions or logic or society or things that people say. We don't do those things just because, right? We do things because it is the will of God. We're here to please the Father. That's our purpose in this life. And Jesus set that example for us, right? And he said in his word, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's from John chapter 4, verse 34. So God is asking us to do the same thing, that our food should be to do the will of who? The Father. And for us to even do that, we need to have a clearer vision. We can't just operate by our understanding, by our logic, by the things that we think. It has to be in alignment with what God is saying. So let's continue that scripture. Um, It says, then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed up the right ear of Malchus, the high priest slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the father has given me? See, Jesus already knew. He already knew what God intended for him to do. He knew, like, this was part of God's plan, that I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be put to death, right? I'm going to resurrect, and then the world will be reconciled because of the sacrifice that I've paid. He knew all of this plan, and FYI, he he told his disciples, even while he was with them, this is the plan, right? But because of their lack of understanding, because they couldn't see what God was saying, they just forgot. They acted in ignorance. They were acting from their own understanding of what was playing out in front of them. Let's look at another example um, in Matthew 20, verse 20 to 22. It says, then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask for a favor. What is your request? He asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my son sit in the place of honor next to you, one on your right and the other one on your left. 
Here's Jesus' reply. Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? And they were like, oh yes, we are. Because they didn't understand what he was really telling them, right? They were thinking, oh, maybe it's just, I have to do a little something. But they didn't realize that there was so much more to the kingdom. There was so much more. There was persecution that is attached to it. There's, there's um, servanthood that is attached to it. It's not just about being the head, right? They didn't have true vision. They were only seeing things from the natural perspective, I want to be the head. I want to have people serving me. I want respect. I want accolades. That was all they were looking at, right? They were asking, can I sit at your right hand and your left hand? They thought that it was just so that people would recognize me, that yes, you know, I'm a leader. I'm in front. But they did not understand what God was doing and they didn't know how his kingdom was structured. Jesus led by example, to be the head, you have to serve. That's, that's a truth of the kingdom. And from a natural perspective, you can't understand that. See, God wants us to utilize, let me actually go back. So true vision, how do we describe it? True vision comes from the scripture. The word of God brings clarity and gives us the true reality of the circumstances we find ourselves in. The enemy wants us to be myopic. Myopic, again, the definition is short-sighted. You're not seeing far. He wants us to see from a natural, from the natural realm and operate in the natural realm. And if we are like that, we can't see beyond what is physically in front of us and we will stumble. But here, on this other hand, God wants us to utilize uh, what he has equipped us with. He has given us a new spirit, and that spirit is his spirit, right? That's the Holy Spirit he has given us. And the Holy Spirit, joined to our spirit, sees far. Short-sighted means that you only see what is close in front of you. You can't see the context. But the Holy Spirit is able to see far beyond what you just see physically in front of you. And he has a better view of what is actually happening. So what is the better view that God has? It is his word, his spoken and written word. Isn't it best that we tap into that view? Right? So you see, the word can produce a great harvest. But spiritual short-sighted people look down on the word that they have received or the word that they have been given, you begin to think it can't accomplish anything. Oh, is it just not this thing? God said it a long time ago. How can he even do anything? Right? And then sometimes we ask ourselves, how long will we, would we confess this thing? I've been confessing it for five years. I haven't seen anything working. We sometimes ask ourselves that question. Right? Do you know how many times we miss God because we have placed a time in on those things he has told us? Because we envision them happening a certain way. And when it's not playing out the way that we have envisioned it, we're like, it can't be God. 
We sometimes write off those things God has told us or has revealed to us because it is not fitting our mold. Right? So I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, when you're working with God, there's much need for patience. We can't, we can't place a timing on the things that God has told us. That's not how faith works. Faith is just like, God, you said this, I believe it. And that's only what I'm seeing. When you have true vision, you only see what God says. You don't see anything else. Everything else doesn't matter. You don't even see the time because he said, if I, if I die, I die. Believe in this thing. Because this is what God has said. See, with the things of faith, a lot of things unveil with time, right? And God is never in a hurry, but he's always on time to meet your need. He comes exactly on time to meet your need. And he will never rush. You know, it's us that rush. We, we want to see everything happen quickly. Like, now, now, now. Right now. God, I want to see it now. If it's not meeting our timing, we're just like, we count it off. But God is never in a rush, but he's always on time. Have you noticed that in your life? He always comes on time. Exactly when you need it. But if we are myopic, we will miss out on this faith journey with God. We can't really work with God if we're short-sighted. If we're not seeing things from his perspective. It will be hard. It will be like two people fighting. It will be hard to, to work with him if we don't look from his perspective. So when we, what we see apart from the spirit is very limited and can never be greater than what God has said. God sees farther into the fit, uh, future than your physical eye, hence why his word is more reliable and the truth concerning any situation we're in. See, you have to decide that the word of God is greater and that will put you on a path to victory. If you can decide today that the word of God supersedes anything that you ever encounter, supersedes the word that people are telling you, you are on your way, what? You're on the path of victory. Because the word of God can't ever fail. There's no failure attached to the word of God. See, when God said, you know, whatever word I've sent out of my mouth, it will surely what? Accomplish the purpose. It's on a mission. It will always accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. It can't come back with a failure sign. So when we decide, when we make a decision to put the word of God at the forefront, we then begin to see the effects of the word. We begin to see it working in our lives. We begin to have a clearer um, vision of what God is actually doing in any moment. Because the facts can tell you one thing, but God is doing another thing. Right? What you encounter in one moment can say something different, but God is saying the opposite. But if you're going along with the facts, if you're going along with what you see in front of you, you will miss God. So, see, like for, for me in my life, I like to give examples from my life 
um, you know, a lot of situations that I've gone through, right, um, most of the time from a physical perspective, it looks like the outcome looks very bleak. It looks like it's, it's not possible. It can't happen, right? But God taught me recently. He said to me that um, when I speak his word in any situation, to the physical eye, it might look like nothing, you know, it's not possible, it's not going to work. But he said in the spiritual world, something different is happening. He said things are moving and shaking. Weeds are being uprooted. Power has been released for the work. See, like on the outside, it looks like it's normal. Like things are just, you're just going about your normal day. Like things still look bleak. You're in a dire situation. Man, when is this ever going to change? But God said to me, when you speak the word, on the physical, it looks like nothing is happening. But in the spiritual, things are actually happening. Power has been released. Because the word of God is a container for power. Right? It contains enough power to accomplish whatever it was sent to do. That's why it's on a mission. But when we see from the spiritual point of view, we begin to see like, wow, there's victory. Even when people say there's a casting down, you say, no, there's a lifting up. I remember one story. Um, well, it's not a story. It's something that happened in my life. Um, there was a time when my company was laying off, you know, people. It's like, one morning, we just got an email that some people received an email beforehand. That whoever received that email beforehand has been laid off. And prior to this thing, right, um, a couple months before, God was telling me, you know, pray in the spirit when you drive to work and when you're coming back. I was praying in the spirit. I didn't understand what the purpose was, right? So I was just praying in the spirit. And that was my first year at the job. So... A couple of months after, when we got that email, I was like, wow, God, this was the point. Like, this is, this is why you told me to pray in the spirit. Because my director was laid off. But me, who was a, a newcomer, I just got hired. I wasn't laid off. Some of the people at the top positions were laid off. But for me, I wasn't laid off. And then... Um, people were very afraid because it wasn't finished. Like the whole layover thing, they were, still, they were still readjusting and everything. So people were afraid, like maybe I'm next. So in my one-on-one with my manager, you know, he would ask me, how are you feeling? What do you think about these things? People are like a little scared. I said, you know what? We're in for a great time. <laughs> I told him that. I was like, I, I said to him, I'm very excited because I know that, you know, the future is very bright. He's like, wow, Donna, you don't get stressed about anything. I said, why should I get stressed? Why? Because I had a different perspective. God actually already told me that I won't leave that job until I'm ready to leave. You get what I mean? I had a different perspective than what was happening in front of me. So that's the same way we, we have to operate as Christians. We have to have a different point of view than what is physically in front of us. We all go through challenges. We all go through troubles. You know what is, you know, what happens in your own particular life. But you have to decide that the word of God supersedes what is happening. So for me, um, what I've decided to do in the morning 
I tell myself, especially when I want something changed in my life, right? Um, I tell myself, Adana, it's time to take your medicine, right? And then I go to scripture, the scripture that I'm holding on to, and I, I, I speak it over myself. I'm not saying that I'm perfect at this, but this is, this is what I've started doing. I speak it over myself. I say, I put myself, I make it like personal to me, you know? And then in the afternoon, I take it out again, and I speak it over myself. In the evening, I do the same thing. Why am I doing that? The Bible says what? This book of the law should not depart out of your mouth. Meditate on it what? Day and night. You see, morning is day. Afternoon is day. Evening is night. That's your medicine. You take it consistently for you to see it work. So... You have to keep the word in front of you if you want to see a clearer picture of what is happening. The word of God always has a good report, right? And because the word of God produces faith, faith will always have a good report. In keeping the word of God in front of you, um, you renew your mind and you begin to think like God. God dropped something in my spirit. He said to me that an unrenewed mind is susceptible to the attack of the enemy. But he said a renewed mind doesn't even flinch. Why? Because a renewed mind is the mind of God. Right? It has been renewed by his word. It's thinking like God. And so when situations come, you're not moved. Just like when Jesus was sleeping in the middle of a storm, everybody else was going crazy. They're like, oh my goodness, we're going to die. But Jesus was just resting. He was at rest. He was at peace. Because he had the mind of God. He was thinking like God. That's what a renewed mind is. You think like God. You see from God's perspective. And you have soundness of mind. So you don't flinch when troubles come. You don't don't get moved. You have a different perspective. We're going to go into point two. See beyond yourself. Your humanity. You see a lot of times this is what causes us to stumble, you know, Um, because we're consistently considering ourselves from, oh, isn't it just me? I'm a human being, you know, like, what can I possibly do, right? But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 to 17 says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently We know him now. We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one point, they considered Christ from a human point of view, but now they know differently. Yes, you are human, but that's not all you are, right? God didn't just say, you know, when you put your spirit in you, he didn't just, okay, just live your ordinary life. That's not what he said. He empowered you with his spirit, right? So, beautiful, Arnold preached on Thursday. We are uncommon. We're not ordinary. This life we have is supernatural. And you have to begin to see yourself that way. Stop considering yourself from a a human perspective. That will be a limitation to you, right? But the, the, the word of God says that we have been created to be like God 
in true righteousness and true holiness. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. See, another um, definition of, the, of myopic, the topic, right? It says lacking the necessary knowledge or intelligence to live beyond today. Basically saying ignorance, right? See, when, when we live in ignorance, a lot of times it's like our life is revolving around ourselves. It's just about me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. Right? And in that little world that you have created, you always see your flaw. You always see your faults. You know? You, sometimes you don't even show grace to yourself because you're like, oh, I just messed up today. Oh, I messed up yesterday. Man, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I can't be perfect. What's the point of even trying? Right? You don't show grace to yourself when, when you make mistakes. You're consistently striving to change, but with no results. Because you're striving, you're working, you're putting effort. You know? But God is calling us to step out of that life. He says, no, you can't consider yourself from a human perspective. You have to see yourself the way I see you. That's the trueness of your life. And for myself, I know, like, uh, when I want to see a change again, I tell myself, Adana, it doesn't matter what you see today. It doesn't matter what you do tomorrow. It doesn't matter. You might fail today. You might fail tomorrow. But all, I, all that matters is the word of God says this about me. This is my true reality. I just keep confessing it over myself. I say I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. I have become new. I'm hidden in Christ who is in God. The power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in me. That same power works effectively to bring about change in my life. I keep saying over myself, regardless of what I see, I might even mess up this minute. And then I look at it and I laugh. I say, well, thank you, God, because you said in your word, this is your truth over my life. It supersedes the facts. So, God is calling us higher. I'm not saying, like, when you do wrong, don't apologize, right? I'm not saying that you shouldn't repent, right? But you shouldn't get stuck there because what the enemy wants us to do is, is get us stuck in guilt. And when we're there, we can't really relate with God. It's hard for us to come to God boldly. So, we need to begin to see ourselves like God sees us. And our life will turn around for the better. See, like when you're always looking at the negative things, what you always see is what? The negative things. But when you begin to consider yourself from God's perspective, he always has a good report. Then you begin to see the effective change happening, right? Because if we remember the story of Laban um, and Jacob, right? Jacob, uh, you know, Laban told him, okay, take these things. If you, I, I don't fully remember the story, but he, he was saying that he gave him non-spotted animals and said, okay, if you have any spotted animals, offspring that come, then they belong to you. So what Jacob did was he put a bark and he painted the spots, I believe. And he said, um, the sheep that are in heat, he said them to look at um, that bark with the spots. And they produced offspring just as what they were looking at. That's the same thing with us. We have to look at Christ. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus 
the author and the finisher of your faith. As you fix your eyes on him, you become what? More like him. So having God's uh, perspective allows us to walk in the good works God prepared ahead of time for us. You know, then the world will begin to see the glory of God around your life. When they encounter you, when someone encounters, has an encounter with you, you know, they engage with the eternal life that God has placed inside of you. You know, their life will never remain the same. Why? Because they are, they are having an encounter with Jesus. You have to see yourself like Jesus because Jesus is living inside of you. It says we have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer us that lives, but Christ that lives in us. The life we live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself up for us. This life that we have is a life of faith. It's not just a life of, you know, it's only Adana. When you just see yourself as only Adana, you can't see Jesus who's living in you. But when you say, wow, the Spirit of God lives in me. Jesus, the precious Lamb of God, is in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My life is a powerful life. It's not an ordinary life. You, you start to see those things. Like those things that you're professing. It begins to work out in your life. And people are like wondering like, how did you do it? Like, why are you so calm? Why is your life different? People begin to ask you questions. Because they see something different in you. You're not just like everybody else. Uncommon. A new plug. <laughs> Um, see, God has called us to a life that is supposed to be filled with signs and wonders. This is the way that Christ lived. He, he was always doing miracles. Everywhere he went, people who had an encounter with him never stayed the same. And you are, like the light of the world lives in you, so you are actually the light of the world. You're supposed to brighten up the world. It says that this light, like you can't just use a basket to cover the light that has been put in you. You have to let it shine, right? So something I want you to do now is tell your neighbor on the right, you are not ordinary. See clearly. Look ahead. And then on your left, Turn to your neighbor on the left and say to your neighbor, I am not ordinary. I see clearly and I look ahead. Praise the Lord. See, here's what Jesus said to um, the Sadducees. They came to him with a question, right? Um, they said there were seven brothers. The oldest married the wife. Then he died. Then the next brother married the same woman. Then he died until like all six of them have married the same woman and they have all died and then finally the woman died, right? And then they said, whose wife would she be after the resurrection? And this is Jesus' response. Jesus replied to them. He said, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. They were asking silly questions, things that don't even, you know, if they knew what God was doing, they wouldn't be asking that question. They would have tapped in to what God was doing. Right? See, 
a lot of times we take in inaccurate information. We ask silly questions because we are ignorant. Or we don't know what the word of God says, right? The Bible says, study to show yourself an approved workman, not needing to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. See, Jesus gave us an example. He did this, right? Um, when Jesus told, uh, told the disciples, you know, I'm going to die, again, he told them many, many times, I'm going to die and, you know, like the world will be reconciled to God. This is the way that it's going to happen. And then this is what Peter said to him. Um, Peter told him, no, no, master, that's not true. That's not going to happen. And this is what Jesus said. He said to Peter, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God. Jesus was able to recognize who was behind Peter's response. Right? Because he knew the word. He wasn't ignorant. He knew what God was doing. He knew exactly what God said. So he was able to recognize who was talking through Peter. And he said, no, I'm not going to buy into that. You're a trap to me because you want me to fall into the trap of human thinking. But no, I'm going to stand on the Lord's side. I'm going to align myself with the will of God. Right? And that's what God is asking us to do. Show yourself approved. An approved workman. Study the scriptures. Make sure you understand who God has called you to be. Who God says you are. So that the enemy will not come in and deceive you. Right? Everybody has to do their part. No one can do that part for you. Understanding comes only to the individual. Somebody can't understand for you. So you have to show yourself approved. Rightly dividing scripture. So when somebody comes to you and tells you, no, this is how it is. You say, no, no, no. My Bible tells me something different. Right? See, when, when we are working in this field of um, short-sightedness, we don't see our capability as a ch- um, children of God. Anything goes. But God is calling us out of that life to a life he created us to have. A Christian, we should all know this, a Christian is the most powerful human being on this earth. A Christian is what? The most powerful human being on this earth. But however, do we see ourselves that way? Why are we even the most powerful human being? The creator of heaven and earth dwells inside of you. What? You are powerful. There's so much potential. I remember in um, 2016 or 17, uh, one of those years, God said to me, allow me to use your imagination. See, for me, I'm a vivid learner. Like, I I like things shown to me so I can understand them. So, you know, he told me to allow me to use your imagination, right? Um, And oftentimes, especially like the way that you learn, the way you think, the enemy wants to even, you know, use that to play tricks on you, right? So I know for myself, a lot of times you show me scenario one, scenario two, how, how things won't work out, you know, because I'm a vivid learner. So my imaginations were wrong wild. And God said, no, 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 you're allowing the enemy to step into this territory. Allow me to use your imagination to show you what I'm doing rather than buying into the story that the enemy is telling you, right? 
So now, when, especially for a vivid learner, right? When you buy into that, that whole thing that the enemy is telling you, right? You become blinded. You can't see. Have you ever like, you focus on something for so long that it's hard to think of something different, right? Even for an, an a, analytical person, too, like you're thinking, you're thinking, you're, you're trying to just prove something out in your mind, right? And the enemy is feeding you with thoughts, feeding you with thoughts, and you're considering them. See, when we focus on those things, we become blinded. It's hard to see what God is doing, right? Whether it's like your self-esteem, you're like, man, I'm not so good. I'm not good at this. I can't be good. I can't. When he fixes your, your mind on that thing, it becomes hard to see that you can do all things, right? So scripture says in, in um, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, God actually gave us a solution for all of these things, right? He says, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God we capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist, you insist, that they bow in obedience to the anointed one. Someone can't insist for you. You have to insist because you have the power, right? And that's why we have to know the word of God so we know what to insist happens. See, when we, we begin to do these things, we now are on a path to working with God, right? Because two can't work together unless they agree, right? So when we begin to cast down imaginations, thoughts, things that don't align to the word of God, we are working with God. We're in fellowship. We're working, right? So the next thing is see yourself making an impact as a Christian. I was listening to a sermon, um, and this thought came to me. Elijah shut the heavens for three years. It didn't rain for those years, and he was under the old covenant. Can you imagine? He shut the heavens for three years. Can you imagine not having rain, right? It didn't rain for those three years, and he was under the old covenant. How much more a child of God, right? We now have a new covenant. We are heirs of God. We are co-heirs with Christ, right? To the inheritance that God has. Elijah couldn't say that much. He was just a, a prophet of God. But we are children of God. How much more can we do in this earth, on this earth? See, the power we carry lies in the words we have been given by Jesus himself. That's what he told us in John chapter 17, verse 8. He said, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you. They believe you sent me. He gave us the words he received from the Father. These were the same words. These were the same words he carried, um, you know, he used in doing wondrous miracles on this earth. The same words that healed the sick. The same words that he used in casting out demons. Right? The same words that raised the dead. And so much more. So, child of God, we need to begin to see ourselves 
as the Father sees us so that we can make lasting impact. We can leave a footprint on this earth, right? Let's take a look at Mark 11, um, verse 12 to 20, uh, 14, and then 20 to 21. This is the story about Jesus and the fig tree. Again, I like to give examples from Jesus so that we know exactly how we're supposed to live our life, right? So it says the next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off, so he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there was only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat of your fruit again. And the disciples heard him. The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it, that they noticed that he had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Lord, look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. See, you see that it was Peter that was calling out what had happened, right? It wasn't Jesus. Jesus was just going on his way. He had a different perspective because he knew that the moment he spoke those words, it already happened. Right? But Peter, somebody on the outside looking in, they were like, oh, wow, it actually happened. Right? But as children of God, do you know that the words we carry are powerful? The words that God has given us is powerful to accomplish a lot. See, um, someone who is short-sighted will wait around and they will look around, oh, can, can they make an, make an impact? Can they do something? Can this word that I've spoken, maybe it'll work, maybe it'll not work. And when you're like flip-flopping, you know, you're not standing in faith and you won't see anything happen. See, again, notice that Jesus didn't call out the change. There was somebody on the outside looking in that was calling out the change. When you're living a life of impact, others will testify of the work of God in your life and as well as the work that God is doing through you. They will see it. It will be clear to them. It really breaks my heart when a Christian thinks like they are like everybody else, right? Can we imagine, what, what if we imagine like a life that is lived, empowered, like that empowered life God has given us, living it out on this earth? Right? So at the, at the beginning, one, st- one last story, because I, I don't really have that much time. But um, at the beginning of January, I came back from Nigeria. And I was looking to reignite my relationship with God. I knew God wanted me to grow in some areas. So coming back, I said to God, give me prayer topics. You know, I want to pray what is dear to your heart. Um, and God gave me a list of topics to pray for. So I started praying about these things. I did it the first day, maybe the second day, maybe the third, maybe for a week. And then after a while, I stopped, right? Um, And I I vividly remember one of the prayer topics. This was at the end of January, before this whole shutdown. So I remember one of the prayer topics that gave me. God said to me, pray that America will quickly curb the disease, right? At that time, it didn't make any sense. I said, what disease? Like, it didn't even hit me in my head because... I don't follow the news. I don't, I don't really know what's going on out there, you know? Um, and I didn't really know that there was like a disease, that, a, a whole pandemic that was happening, right? Um, and I was just like, wait, what disease? And I just thought it was just something I just wrote down. So 
I, I didn't really continue and I wasn't diligent. See, when God talks to you, pay attention. There's a reason why he's talking to you about things. There's a purpose behind it. So it wasn't until after the shutdown, I think it was in prayer meeting, and pastor was asking, like, how is it that no Christian knew that this was going to happen? And I went back home, and I just, I just went through my journal, and I found the prayer topic, and I was like, wow. God, you told me to pray about this thing. And I didn't understand what it meant at that time. But do you see, like, if I had continued on to fellowship with God and asking God, like, open my eyes of understanding. Help me to understand what, why you gave me this prayer topic. God would have given me more information and would have given me direction in praying. See, we could make a lot of impact, but because we're not fellowshipping with God, it becomes hard for us to actually align, to work with him, to leave that footprint. A Christian should know what is coming before it even comes. Because God said he has given us the Holy Spirit to tell us of things to come. Right? So, even in the, um, in the church, in the old days, um, like, they knew when a famine was coming. They knew things that were going to happen, and the Holy Spirit would direct them to pray accordingly. And they were able to make impact. They were able to save lives. They were able to do so many different things. Because they were paying attention to the Holy Spirit. See, the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and then they will end up glorifying your Father who is in heaven. God has created good works for us to walk in. And for us to walk in that, right, we need to have his perspective. We need to see like him. We need to walk in the truth of the word of God. And then we can align with him in changing this world for the better. I just want to, want to leave us with one last, and this is something, I, a message God gave to me, um, and I just feel like it, it ties in so well to this. Um, he said, don't miss what I'm doing. Pay attention to every word I have spoken. Know what I'm doing so that you will not go against me in your actions and the things you are doing. Work with me and you will see wonders. Believe my word and you will experience all I have said. I am not a liar. I do exactly what I say. If I said it, it is so. I don't change my mind and I, I won't start right now. If I have made you a promise, I will certainly keep it. I am. I've existed before you were born. I will exist even when you are no longer on this earth. I've seen generations pass and new ones come. I've always been the same. Trust me. Trust my word. I will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. Praise the Lord. Amen.